Hello. I'm Julian. And I am Tom. Hi, everybody. We are Team Binge, and we are here for the third time, and hopefully not the last time, to talk about The Return of the King, (laughs) which is, you guessed it, the third movie in the Lord of the Rings series. If you're joining us for the first time, cool, hang out with us. Um, (laughs) I don't have any follow-up to that. This movie is as long as this podcast will be, so buckle up. I thought it's it was supposed to be twice as long. Twice as long. So this is going to be an eight-hour podcast. <laughs> Six hours and 40 minutes. And what's funny is Tom and I are not real learned on Lord of the Rings lore, so it's just two <laughs> dudes talking about a movie they don't really understand, but they really like a lot. We're going to make up a lot of stuff. That's right. And we're going to mispronounce some people's names, and please add us. <laughs> Tom, let him know once again, why are we going through the Lord of the Rings movies? We are getting hyped because we are super excited to watch the new Amazon Prime series, The Rings of Power, which is coming out. And it's supposed to follow the second age of Middle-earth. So it's kind of like the forming of the rings. Uh, Amazon's throwing just gobs of money at it, I think close to half a billion dollars. And we would like to get some of that money. (laughs) Yes. Uh, If nothing else, the production and just uh, the show itself should be awesome. So we're super excited about it. Like Julian mentioned, we are Lord of the Rings fans. We've read books. Julian's read the Cimmerillion. So we have some knowledge. We are not experts. So if we say anything that's wrong, go ahead and correct us on our Twitters, our Instagrams, at Team Binge. Uh, We'd love to hear your corrections. Think of us like Lord of the Rings bros. We don't know a whole lot about (laughs) it, but we're super pumped about it. And we both have... (laughs) the ring inscription tattooed around our biceps so that when we're getting yoked up in the gym, people know that we know about the one ring and the white tree of Gondor and that we're not fans of the stewards other than Boromir, but Mm. he's dead. Spoiler. Of course. Um, Let's jump into it, Tom. We're going to do a summary, then hit some Mm -hmm. categories. uh, And we are going to... Uh, start off by saying last time i asked you tom do you rank these movies and you said mm-hmm. the two towers was your favorite out of the three i don't know Correct. that you asked me the same question you might have um i don't listen to the podcast but um <laughs> what i can definitely tell you is i like this movie i like this movie a lot i love this whole trilogy all i can say is i know this movie is not my favorite one of the three but i still love it okay I, it's still still great There's still a lot of stuff in here that I love, and we'll get into it. I just want to point out that if I had to rank them, this one would not be one. I don't know where it would be, but it would not be one, and it would not be two. I think we did talk about that. I think I said I like Two Towers, and I think you mentioned you like The Return of the King. We can go back and check the tape uh, if there's a way to do that. I don't know if there is at this point. But yeah, I think what my deal is with this movie, it's fantastic. The action set pieces are just over the top and amazing, especially for like the time that it was filmed with the effects and the CG. It still looks pretty dang solid. But what this movie I think is kind of known for is it's 13 different endings at the end where it's just, it could end, it could cut, it could fade to black, it could fade to black. And I remember even seeing this in theaters and like, man, I got to use a bathroom and I just can't because it just keeps going. It's like the Energizer Bunny. Yep. Uh, but other than that, I think, yeah, the movie is just spot on and does a fantastic job of uh, buttoning up this whole whole quest. I think this is where Peter Jackson got the first taste of, you know what, I can really drag this out for as long as possible <laughs> and no one can stop me. Oh, by the way, I'm going to take the Hobbit book and make it into eight movies. Um, 
We did not talked about him enough. I wanted to bring this up because this movie starts off very strong. Howard Shore is the one that does the theme. And there is something mm-hmm. so like epic and eerie about like that through line, da, that theme music. Da, I'm, da, 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 yeah, I'm not even going to attempt beautiful. it because I'll do it wrong. <laughs> um, but it is both like unsettling, but also epic and, and beautiful, mm-hmm. much like the ring of power. And that's probably what he was inspired by. Anyways, let's dive into the movie. This one opens up, and Tom and I will do favorite scenes towards the end. I don't want to spoil any of uh, which one my favorite scene is, but we open up with Smeagol murdering Deagle, uh, who is, I believe, his brother. All I want to say about this part is, why are underwater scenes so difficult to film? Why do all... like? I don't know that I've ever watched a movie other than Deep Blue Sea where underwater filming went <laughs> off without a hitch. Um, there's a part where he's being dragged by the fish, and it just... Lo- Anyways, love these movies, don't want to nitpick. Uh, we watch Smeagol transform into Gollum, and mm-hmm. for movies that are so dark, I like how all the Hobbit scenes are always very light and fluffy, but this one starts with a Hobbit murder. And you're like, okay, yeah, 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 we're, we're starting off with some light Hobbit murder. This scene was apparently filmed to be in Two Towers. It was supposed to be in, like, when they actually introduce Gollum and they say his name and he's kind of getting ready to come on camera. They were supposed to do this little flashback and show how kind of he transformed. Um, but I really love it here in terms of opening it up. And we already got the cliffhanger from the last um, Two Towers at the end of that one where he's going to kind of lead them backstab up to, Frodo yeah, and Sam. Them up mm-hmm. to Shilob. Yeah, Shilob, yeah exactly. So <laughs> getting getting his kind of whole transformation uh, is, is fantastic. And again, they use some of those practical effects, which is really cool. And I do appreciate that they allowed Andy Serkis to be, you know, Smeagol in this, you know, as that actor, as opposed to trying to cast somebody else. Because that's apparently what they wanted to do initially. They didn't want Andy Serkis to be the Hobbit version of Smeagol. Like they oh, really? wanted him just to do the, yeah. I don't know who else could have done that voice. I think that was it. Yeah, they needed him for it. I can't stand that voice. I mean, he does a great job. I'm just saying I wouldn't be yeah. friends with Smeagol. I'd be like, oh, that's how, that's how you talk? Here, take the ring. I don't really want to be your friend anymore. <laughs> we get a cutscene of Frodo and the weight of the ring, like dragging him down. The days are growing darker. Uh, little Chekhov's gun. We're rationing the Lembus bread. Uh, <laughs> Sam's trying to be very selfless here and give Frodo all the bread. And what I thought was interesting and poignant in this moment is Sam is planning for a journey home. And you can see clearly mm-hmm. see Frodo's kind of like, hey, um, I, j- just a little news for you, Sam Wise, uh, Gamgee. Uh, one-way ticket, bro. We're going to Mount Doom, and that's probably our final destination. Um, but I do think it's interesting that, like, Sam, the optimist, like, and then Frodo, at this point, the weight and everything is dragging him to the point where uh, I think sweet, sweet death might just be a relief for him. Well, I think that's why Sam is who he is. Like, he's the optimist. He's the one, you know, even though Frodo knows it's likely not going to happen, like, he needs to hear this in these moments to know, like, he needs to keep going on and have that uh, that hope. Light in the shadow. We then cut, because mm-hmm. we're catching up with all the characters. We get A-G-L-G-E. And the others, they arrive at the destruction of Isengard. Uh, I will do this once and only once because I'm going to use this acronym the whole time we do this podcast because it speeds things up. A-G-L-G-E stands for Aragorn, 
Gimli, Legolas, Gandalf, and Aromir. That ND can be <laughs> can be used uh, with Aowen, Aomir, any of them. Treebeard, even though it starts with a T. It's funny, though, because that was actually today's Wordle, A-G-L-G-E. Oh, really? You didn't send it to me. Interesting. <laughs> you must be playing with someone else. Sorry. Tom and I do Team Wordle, uh, which means we both try to get it together and we fail together often. Um, Pip and Mary are drunk and high. I wrote that in my notes as they dance on the uh, smoldering wreckage of Isengard. It's pretty great. Uh, I do like the moment where Treebeard grants, uh, greets Gandalf and he calls him Young Master Gandalf, and you're kind of realizing, yeah, that was good. Yeah, because Gandalf's been, you know, he's hundreds of years old, maybe thousands, and then Treebeard's even older. Sauron's mm-hmm. locked in the tower. Gandalf is like, no, we don't need to wreck the tower. He's got no more power. This leads us to the Pant- Pantalier. Pant- Pant- I-, I wrote it. Pantomime. No, 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 no. The Seeing Stone. They've got a name. I wrote it in here somewhere. Oh, we'll I don't talk know what it's about called. It. This is where Pippin finds it, like, <laughs> rolling around in the pond. Um, and he apparently sees something, because him and Gandalf exchange very dark looks. And that's when you know mm-hmm. those two are going to team off and have to do something together, because uh, Pippin <laughs> went and got that glowing bowling ball out of the water. Can I ask you a question here? Uh, you can ask whatever questions you like, Tom. Yeah, I appreciate that. One of these times, you're not going to allow me to ask. Um, I watched just this regular version. I did not watch the extended one. Neither did you, correct? Yes. Or did you watch the extended? Okay, no, yeah, I'll say I... this movie is long enough. I thought there was a scene, and you had mentioned it, and I felt like I had seen it before, where Saruman gets thrown off by Wormtongue. But that does not happen in this one that I watch, unless I blinked or something. Does okay. that only happen in the extended? Here's the crazy story. I am pretty sure I've seen that scene. I don't mm-hmm. think I saw it also in this. I was just going to bypass it because I figured I maybe hopped on my <laughs> phone at some point and missed the scene. But maybe that is only in the extended <laughs> version. Because, yeah, in this one, I, I don't. So. we don't see Saruman's demise, which essentially mm-hmm. is Wormtug pushing him off of the tower um, and him doing a sweet jackknife dive into the water maybe we got it mixed with uh, another fiery figure falling off of a large tower i don't know we'll find out oh man spoilers when we get to funniest scenes <laughs> or times i laugh the hardest <laughs> a little bit of denethor taking a fiery uh, <laughs> dive off the oh no all right anyways we cut to rohan they're hailing the victorious dead i love rohan i love everything about him like <laughs> Tolkien was like, Let, listen, these guys are going to be horse Vikings. They're going to cheer death. Um, they're great. Aragorn and Eowyn share a drink. Uh, Theoden's like, hey, he's a good man. I'm happy for you. You two are going to have beautiful babies. And <laughs> I do think it's interesting here that Theoden recognizes that it was Aragorn that saved the people at Helm's Deep. I think he's finally come to the conclusion. He's like, listen, Eowyn, I was like, hey, let's ride out and die. And then Aragorn's like, no, let's ride out and save people. Yeah, and I think it sets up, you know, Theoden seeing Aragorn as the king. Like, not just all of a sudden, he's like, oh, okay, you can be king because you're Sildur's heir. Like, no, he understands and recognizes that Aragorn is a leader and deserves to be the king. Good point. Deserves to be followed. We get this quick conversation between Gandalf and Aragorn about their worried about Frodo. And he's like, what does your heart tell you? And it would have been great if Gandalf had been like, Dad, just 
he's dead. There's no hope for Aragorn. No, no hope. But instead, they like they smile at each other, and then um, or a writer should have burst in and be like, "Frodo is dead." It would have been great. Anyways, this movie should have been a comedy, but it's not. Although there are funny moments like Denethor jumping off the tower. Smeagol and Golem are talking about some cold-blooded murder and getting the precious. Mm-hmm. Sam hears about the murderer, and there's a lot of fat shaming of Sam by the murderer. Uh, Smeagol <laughs> slash Golem. He, whenever he calls yeah, him fat, sure. I was like, oh man, cuts him to the quick. Which, you would think if he was only living on Lembus bread for, I don't know, months while walking, I don't know, 30 miles a day, uh, he wouldn't True. be the fat hobbit that Golem claims Sean Astin he is. is uh, He's not in uh, Rudy's shape for this movie. I thought he looked great. I thought he looked great. But I like my <laughs> hobbits a little bit plump. That's, that's me. Um, Sam might have handled the moment a little bit better because Golem essentially taunts him into mm-hmm. like losing his temper. So there's a little life lesson for you kids when a murderous Golem taunts you. Don't, don't go for <laughs> it. All right? Well, and he's yeah laying the groundwork for the continued deception later. But yeah, I agree. He he could have done a little bit more to let Frodo know exactly what was said because he, when Sam listens to this, he openly hears him saying he is going to murder both of them. Sure. Uh, and Frodo's having none of it. Sure. Yeah, he just kind of like once again, characters communicating. Hey, Frodo. Uh, while we were sleeping, <laughs> I woke up a little early. He didn't know I was awake. He was talking about murdering us. Let's not follow this guy. But they don't have that conversation. Uh, I only wrote Legolas talks about something menacing and looks serious. Uh, <laughs> Classic legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm so glad you brought up that discussion about Legolas last last podcast because I've thought about it a lot and I'm sticking with my opinion. Um, this is where they're all sleeping in the hall and it's like slumber party time at Theoden's house. <laughs> of course, one person... The trickster's got to wake up and go do something. So Pippin goes and takes the Palatir. That's what it's called. Uh, Sauron sees him. And they get this slow motion fight with a flaming bowling ball as Pippin (laughs) rides rides around on the ground. That's a word. And uh, my wife, who I love, was like, well, that doesn't look great. But once again, we're not going to nitpick. There's sometimes we go slow mo in these movies, and I'm just like, why? Why do we? Why do we need the weird slow mo? We don't need the weird slow mo. Um, I mean, and- he is pantomiming with a polleteer, so I mean, it fits. He's sure. rolling around, jumping, expressing his body. It's great. Sure, <laughs> those words are close. Palleteer and pantomime. <laughs> I see where your brain's going, Tom. Um, Gandalf's like, what did you see? He's like, I saw the White Tree of Gondor dead, Minas Tirith. And Gandalf's like, I know all the plans of the enemy. And I was like, okay, good, good. Thank you. Thank you for (laughs) making this story easy. There's a conversation about the heir of Elendir needing to come forth and uh, Sauron. And this is kind of where they're like, hey, we're going to kind of explain the plot to you, which I appreciate because, once Mm -hmm. again, there's a lot going on in these I only wish Galadriel had come on one more time and been like, the fate of man is going. I can't do her voice because her voice is great. But the conversation is then with Aragorn and Theoden. And Aragorn's like, come on, guys, we got to help them. And Theoden is like, why? Why should we ride to the aid of those who did not ride to ours? And if I was there, I'd be like, ooh, solid point. 
Solid Fair point. point. Fair <laughs> point. And Aragorn stumped by this. But now that Sauron thinks that Pippin has the ring because he's a halfling, him and Gandalf have to ride to Gondor. And they ride on the sweetest horse that anyone's ever ridden on. They get to ride on mm-hmm. the old Lord of Horses, Shadowfax. And it's, I don't know, the the um, friendship between Merry and Pippin, like in contrast to like Fro- Frodo and Samwise is a little bit more serious. But like, I still think there's a deep like friendship between Pippin and Merry mm-hmm. where they're kind of the comic relief, much like Gimli. Um, but it is nice to see them have moments. And it was cool the way that Tolkien did this, where it was like, all right, you know, Pippin's going to be sworn to Gondor. Uh, Mary's going to be sworn to Rohan. And, like, they're mm-hmm. each going to have their moment as warriors. But they go their their own path, so to speak. So yeah. I always found that kind of, kind of fun. Tom, if you uh, had to swear an oath of allegiance... Uh, or, well, not Oath of Allegiance, because that's then kind of, you're either going with Denethor or Theoden, and I think we all know who the better leader is. Uh, are you a Gondor man or are you a Rohan man? What, what, what are you, when you wake up in the morning and you pour that cup of coffee, are you a Gondor man or are you a Rohan man? Listen, Gondor is a beautiful city. Uh, it's got some, probably some beautiful vistas. It is kind of overlook uh, Mordor, which isn't probably fantastic. And like you mentioned, a lot of stairs. I'd much prefer the open ranges of Rohan. Okay. We're both Rohan men then. We're Dapper Mm -hmm. Dan man or Rohan man. (laughs) Say again? We're Rohanians. Rohanians. Of the Rohirrim. Rohanian Rhapsodies. There's several times. (laughs) 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 Oh, good on you. There are several times where Pippin is called a fool, and then he's called the worst. And then I thought to myself, Pippin's taking a lot of beating here, just verbally, by this fellowship that he voluntarily joined and has been of some use. And then Mary gives him the most precious possession, uh, the long bottom leaf or whatever, the rest of the long bottom yeah, leaf. The weed. He's like, you smoke too much, Pippin. Which, hey... <laughs> Hey, no shaming here, all right? We all, maybe all of us smoke a little bit too much at times. Um, not any of that weed, only tobacco for me, thank you very much. Only the healthy stuff. We then cut to elves walking through the forest and, man. Scooping up some field mice, popping them on the head. Okay, that's a song <laughs> Listen, that I you don't... you set me up. You're talking about elves walking through the forest. That I mean, is, I can't not finish that classic. That is a song that I have not had any therapy um, to discuss. <laughs> what is it about these people that they walk so slow through the forest and they're always dressed in their Sunday best? Um, <laughs> they are walking through the forest on their way to the ship, and this is where Arwen, who then sees Aragorn as a, I would say, an old dad. He's kind of already graying when this child is. is. I don't see a lot of football playing and baseball pitching between uh, this. He's like, he's like, listen, son, I had you later in life. Uh, I'm going to throw the ball. You go chase it down. Dad's going to sit here and watch the, I don't know. Uh, something tells me that in this world, lacrosse is a big sport. Um, the young boy who's, I, the young boy's got to be someone's kid, right? Some cast member's kid. Or they're like, listen, give me the most beautiful elvish child you can find. And there was a casting call. And this kid looks right down the barrel into our souls as we're all like, 
all of us are like, yeah, we'd give up mortality to be that kid's dad. Um, <laughs> and this, I, I referred to this in the last in the last pod. I had the wrong movie, but this is where mm-hmm. Arwen makes the choice. She's going to the Grey Havens to take the ships, um, you know, to live eternally. Mm-hmm. And this is where she she turns around. I do also want to mention, Tom, that at one point we were we. At one point, we mentioned that Arwen was kind of like a love interest. I do want mm-hmm. to bring up that Arwen is a super dope warrior uh, in that river scene where she takes on those guys. So mm-hmm. um, I love Arwen as a character. I think the daughter of Aerosmith does a great job. And <laughs> I just wish she got to show up and cut off more heads than she does. Uh, in I think movie. that's always a critique of, of like the Lord of the Rings or, or, you know, maybe with just not only the book series, but with the movies for sure, um, is there's not a whole lot of like female empowerment. Like you get this amazing scene later on with uh, Eowyn being able to stand up to the Night's King or the Witch King, which is just absolutely fantastic and gets me every time. But I couldn't agree more. There needs to be more of this. And I am looking forward to the Rings of Power because I do think we see in the trailers like Galadriel being a lot more like you know, aggressive warrior as opposed to just, you know, wooden uh, uh, or an elf in a forest just whispering sweet nothings. Sure. Sweet nothings. The kid, the kid looks great. He touched my soul. I'm glad that Arwen made the choice that she made. She then has a conversation with Elrond. She's like, you have the ability to look into the future. And he's like, yeah, I looked into your future and I saw death. She's like, well, that's not fair. Because... There's also a son, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. there's a son too." Um, <laughs> and then she's, and then he's like, "All right, well, I'm going to reforge the sword, which is the sword that Boromir, as every swordsman does, picked up and shoved into his finger to see whether or not it was still sharp, um, <laughs> because he's an idiot." But then we hear the quote: um, "Boromir's not an idiot." I apologize. I love Boromir, <laughs> and I don't know that they like in this scene they do part of it. But I looked up the whole thing, and this has always been a great poem that Tolkien wrote, so I'm going to read it verbatim. And honestly, I don't... It's got a title, but I didn't write down the title. But it's, All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wonder are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. And so this is the line about him taking, and I am blanking on the name of the sword, but the Isildur's sword that he uses, it was his father's sword, to cut the ring from Saruman. Jonathan. (laughs) No, his name is not Jonathan. (laughs) It's not not Jonathan the sword. (laughs) Damn you. (laughs) (laughs) When Thomas the sword... Um, also the, the tank engine. Um, <laughs> anyways, you you ruined a really good poem, Tom. Darn you. Um, no, there's there... no. It is awesome. Like this is him taking the sword and like the sword being the catalyst for him like becoming king. Like once he gets handed this sword, it's him accepting kind of that mantle, which I think is just fantastic. And when right. I think later on in this movie, when he gets it handed to him, like the way he rips it out of his sheath and just like get presents it. It's, it's awesome and powerful. Yeah. Someone loses an eye during that scene. Um, <laughs> I think in the extended cut, they do some, some uh, blacksmithing 
which is something I've always wanted to do. I know I'd probably get burned and be maimed, but uh, it's <laughs> always fun to watch people blacksmith. This is, of course, where Arwen has made her decision. She's going to become mortal. And to let us know that, uh, L. Ron Hubbard's like, the light of the Eldar is leaving you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Now we know she's made her choice. Narsil is reforged into Andril. And I do want to point out in the books, this happens on the first visit in Rivendale. So in the Fellowship, that's mm. when he actually gets his sword and this happens. I would like to point out that I went online and I did not buy it, but you could buy the sword. And as a grown man at this age, I should not be looking at these things. But when an hour's th- when a movie is three hours long, and an hour is 30 minutes, but when a movie is three hours long and you've been drinking and you watch this movie, you're like... I've got some wall space where I can put a six-foot sword on the wall, and that's not weird, right? So I'm slowly talking myself into it. And, Tom, I'm not going to lie. If one ends up on my wall, one is also going to end up on your wall. So be, be, ready. For one. be ready for that. I'll take, like, um, give me Legolas's uh, little mini swords or daggers that he has. I'd rather have those than an 18-inch sword on my wall. Or not 18-inch, 18-foot sword. <laughs> 18 inches, little guy. guy. Oh, man. Oh, so you'd rather have Legolas's... uh, I'd get you Legolas's bow, but I'm afraid that if I got you a bow... You know what I want? You would hurt yourself. I want want Legolas's forearm guard. (laughs) 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 But I do appreciate them. Even if if that's how it was in the books, uh, I like how they held this off because it is more dramatic of him kind of accepting the mantle of king like we kind of talked about. Right. And it kind of juxtaposes, too, a little bit with him giving Theoden his sword, right? Because, like, when Theoden got out of his, like, trance from Sauron, he gives him the, th- the sword, which kind of, like, fishing yeah, gets he's him like, out, if you will. So you will feel cool. better if you feel the weight of the mm-hmm. uh, of your sword in your hand. The names, Narsil, Andril, it's like red and white flame is the meaning. Not that anyone cares about this, but the nerds, of which I include myself. <laughs> And then Andoril is Flame of the West, uh, the sword that was broken. So um, sword stuff's cool. Blacksmith is cool. Blacksmithing is cool. I don't know what the verb there is. Doesn't matter. We're back in Gondor, Minas Tirith, (laughs) the capital of Gondor. Everyone in this city has got dark hair and great calves because there are so many stairs, Tom. So many stairs, just <laughs> shapely thighs and strong calves. Because you got to walk up. This is one of those cities where you're like, "Hey, I'm going to the post office," and then like you're 12 stories down, and you're like, oh, "I forgot the letters." And then you got to walk back up, <laughs> and it's just a terrible place because it's straight up and down. Have you ever visited? Have you ever gone on vacation to a place that is like up and down? Have you ever been in a resort where it's like? Their main theme is waterfalls, so it's just <laughs> up and down all day. Of you? I think you have. We once uh, went to a place in Costa Rica where it was all like salt springs, and so the salt springs all ran down via gravity, and so it was a lot of like up and down, up and down, which is good because when you're eating... Yeah, work off that, that buffet. Yeah, when you're eating that buffet, you got all that guac. Um <laughs> You gotta really walk the walk off. 
the guac off. We got ourselves a license plate. <laughs> license plate and a t-shirt. I think this is where we meet Lord Denethir, uh, who's Boromir's father and Faramir's father. He's the caretaker of the mm-hmm. throne. Seems nice. <laughs> Seems like a lovely gentleman. This is great. This is so Kandalf before they go in is like Pippin. Listen, don't mention Boromir. Don't mention the ring. You know what? It's better if you just don't talk. And <laughs> as a father, alleged father of a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, this conversation happens anytime <laughs> we visit any relative. It's like, listen, guys. <laughs> I know we we said a lot about these guys the other day while mommy and daddy were day drinking, Um, but listen, you can't mention this, you can't mention this, and you can't mention this, and remember to say please and thank you. You know what? Better yet, just don't talk about Nintendo, don't talk at all. Like, that's essentially the conversation that every parent has when they roll up to Lord Denethor's house. Denethor, of course, has already heard the bad news. He's already got the Mm -hmm. Horn of Gondor that has been severed in half very quickly pippin throws gandalf's advice aside and he's like i offer my service as payment for the death of your son boromir and gandalf's immediately like regret (laughs) there's a part in scrubs where they talk about every time you make a mistake an opera guy stepping in the background and singing a mistake (laughs) and that's what i think about whenever pippin does this he tells Denethor to light the beacons and send help for Rohan. And this is where mm-hmm. Denethor is like, listen, I know who's riding in your fellowship. His name is Aragorn, and you would supplant me as the ruler of Gondor. And I got to be honest, it's probably taken me a couple of watches and a couple of reads to kind of realize, like, Denethor's position. Like, his family has run this town like for years and years in the absence of a king. And then all of a sudden, this ranger from the north is going to come in (laughs) and supplant him. And he does point out, he's like, hey, Gandalf, you didn't happen to mention that the heir of Isildur is like showing up to take over, by the way. Um, Listen, Aragorn's really hot right now. He's so, so dang hot (laughs) right now. But I think we get mentioned a little bit later, like, Denethor, sure, he's been there and he's, you know, been acting as a steward, but his inaction has caused a lot of the pains that they're going through now about not coming to the aid of Rohan or just being a complete recluse. So I like to think Denethor's main thing that he has been doing as the steward of Gondor is really pushing farm to table type like (laughs) produce and like eating. He's like, listen, guys, we can get all this food from factories that's made from chemicals and you know, mac and cheese with like the orange dye, or we can get these sweet cherry tomatoes that you can grow out in your own gardens. And here's the deal with cherry tomatoes. You don't pop the whole thing in your mouth. You just put a little bit in your mouth and then you bite it with your teeth and then it runs down your chin. Like farm to table, man. That's where it's at. That's where the flavor's at. Anyways, I think from here we're finding out that Pippin is realizing that he's now going to become a guard of the Citadel. I do appreciate how quickly they were like, hey, here's your issued kit. Uh, that's got the white tree of Gondor on it. Put that over the armor. Here's the sword. It's probably more of a dagger because you're a half man. And uh, Gandalf starts to talk to him about the coming battle. We cut to Osgiliath, which I mispronounced several times, and I will mispronounce several times more. 
Um, <laughs> if you would like me to pronounce Osgiliath better, you can write us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com <laughs> or send money to our rival at the website R-E-D-C-R-O-S-S uh, <laughs> dot org. Um, drives us crazy when you I appreciate you still. There. I appreciate you still spelling it out. Well, once again, I haven't gotten the domain yet, but I will one day. Um, Listen, just don't send it to, to Blue Cross. That's like an insurance company. They don't need their. They don't need our money. No, they don't. Need Who needs insurance? Ooh, don't tell Obama. <laughs> um, Denethor does. <laughs> Denethor. Fire insurance, if you know what I'm saying. Fire insurance. I know what you're saying, Tom. I know what you're saying. <laughs> if Osgiliath falls, that's the last defense before the city. Uh, we see the Witch King of Angmar leading the armies of Mordor. He's the greatest of the nine. He's the guy that stabbed Frodo in the shoulder. I would argue if he's the greatest of the nine, he probably should have stabbed him in a more critical area, not the shoulder, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Watching this, can I say, I remember seeing this in theaters, there was confusion about, like, is this Sauron? Because of, like, the armor and the scale of him and, like... It definitely had Sauron vibes, and I remember like seeing it in theaters, being like, "Wait, is he fighting him?" So, sure. knowing it now and paying more attention to these movies, you could tell like it's he's part of the the Nazgul or whatever. But I was very confused by yeah, he's by part this of initially. he's part of the nine. He's a the Witch King mm-hmm. of Agmar. But let's let Twitter decide. Let's put out a poll: Is <laughs> uh, the Witch King of Agmar also Sauron? You tell us, Twitter. Uh, Tom will be putting out a poll uh, later on this year in order to determine who's who. Um, also, is Frodo and Samwise the same character? Is Smeagol and Gollum the same character? Those will be Twitter polls that we put out because uh, I recently read an article that you can do polls on Twitter, and uh, so now I'm pretty hot on the idea. Here they come. Uh, here they come. Um, should Julian get an earring? You know, poll on Twitter. Um <laughs> I'm not going to tug on that that string. <laughs> Please, it's painful. It's. I think it might be infected. Please don't pull on that string. Uh, ew, that earlobes were so sensitive. I was going to say something else, but this is a podcast for children. And, for uh, children. <laughs> it's a podcast for children. <laughs> I'm sorry, a podcast hosted by children. My bad. Uh, it's tree bird and tree beard. Tree bird. You know what, Tom? Tom, Tom, and I, Tom and I have something to to mention. This whole podcast really is just a uh, a gateway drug so that we could do a podcast about the Disney show Bluey. So, um, for those of you children that are listening to us right now, stay tuned because we will be uh, going through every episode of the Disney show Bluey uh, very shortly. They're seven minute episodes. And man, they will make you cry or make you learn a life lesson. Um, in the way the that season three just dropped. Listen, in the way that Tolkien created a language, a culture, like speeches, <laughs> literature, and it turned into hours and years of media. Bluey, whoever creates Bluey, those Australians, <laughs> they could crush your heart and teach you something about life in seven minutes. It's incredible. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. Um, we cut to Frodo. Frodo's getting like pulled into Mordor. There's like some weird like green like liquid light shooting into the sky, 
And this is where we watch the Witch King of um, Angar on a Nazgul flying out and the army of Mordor marching. And then we cut to Faramir and his team defending uh, Osgiliath. And I love Faramir. I don't love him as much as Boromir. I mm-hmm. I think uh, Denethor and me hold that same opinion. <laughs> but I love Faramir. <laughs> Uh, we this is where we get the army of Mordor attacking at the river. They're 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 doing a little amphibious assault on Osgiliath. Now, Jillian, you are a student of history and of, of battle. Does this is this a good battle strategy to let your enemies come uh, unabated on the river, not being attacked, have them land on the shores, run past you, and then start attacking? Is that wise? So. Great, great question, Tom. Really good question. And um, if we look at the uh, tactician book that I have on my uh, bookshelf across the way. No, I think what they're doing there is, one, they don't have the resources to, like, put a bunch of arrows into these guys as they're dropping ramp. And then the other thing is, I think there are other people past Faramir, so he's kind of letting the first wave get to them. Mm, because okay. he can then like they're like letting them into the trap before they attack them but in overwhelming odds like this it doesn't seem like a very good strategy i had the same thought like hey if i was defending osgiliath what would i do and the answer would be fill the river with oil and set it on fire when the boats roll in <laughs> um thank you brave heart case closed we then cut to the It was scene. cool looking, though. It was cool looking. And once again, I, I like the guy that plays Faramir's like second in command, that older, older guy. He's great. He meets a great demise. Very peaceful. But the way this is all shot, like the ruins of Osgiliath, the lead bad dude with his one arm that doesn't work, and his... Um, Gothmog. Goth, is that his name? Gothmog? Gothmog, yeah. Which I would argue, like, if this is, like, the orc general, like, it looks cool, and it's cool makeup, but, like, he has, like, these gross that kind of go over his eye, so we can really only see well out of one eye. I don't think it would make you a fantastic warrior. It's very impractical. Well, he's a tactician. He's a leader. <laughs> okay. He's a leader that uh, is more of a thinker than a than strength of arm guy. Okay, um, fair. We cut to Pippin climbing up, lighting the beacon... Which is pretty cool. Yeah, and I love this too, because like you get that Gandalf, right? When he see, sees that first one get lit, he's like, hope is kindled. And then we get that cool montage of all the distant fires. Um, and it, it goes on for a while, but I think it's it's really neat and impactful how it eventually just slowly works its way to uh, Rohan. But I also think it's funny how some of the fires seemingly get lit within like seconds of each other. And I would argue like... Probably there's people stationed at each one of them, but it takes you at least a little bit to, you know, look up from your phone, see that the other tower is lit, <laughs> and then, and then put up your, the, your tower. I mean, come on. These guys can't just be staring at a distant, like, mountaintop for eight-hour stretches or whatever their, their shifts are. Oh, man. What's the uh, what's the pension plan on a guy that gets the remote yeah. mountain beacon job? That's like, yeah. all right, honey, I gotta go to work. All right, see you in six months, and it's just like twelve on, twelve off, where you're staring at the other beacon. And I'm sure there's a part of them that's like, 
Is that is that beacon lit? Yeah, I think that beacon's lit. No, 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 <laughs> Am I that beacon. That leak, that beacon hasn't been lit in four hundred years. Is it lit? <laughs> yeah, it's lit. All right, should we light ours? You do it. Uh, all right, all right. Like, <laughs> wait, wait. Look at the user manual. What does the user manual yeah, say what to do? The if the fire goes off, what are we supposed to do? We're we're they at the same time they have to turn their torches. They're like on three, <laughs> two, and they both turn their torches at the same time. <laughs> Um, Aragorn runs into the hall. He's like, Gondor calls for aid. And Theoden, listen, if you didn't wa- listen to the last podcast, Theoden is my dude. I love Theoden. Theoden and Rohan will answer. And it's so good. I love Theoden. He's, he's just the best. He's the best. And I love that he lives happily ever after uh, into the age mm-hmm. of men after this. Uh, we then cut to Rohan getting ready to ride to war. Uh, Aowen's like, oh, I'm just going to ride to the first point. Maybe the second point. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to probably. Oh, this sword. I don't know. This sword. I don't know how it got on the saddle. Um, Aragorn, not at all suspicious. Um, if I was Aragorn, I'd be like, cool, everyone brings swords. If you got a horse and a sword, come join us. Because yeah. uh, anyone can swing a sword and... I uh, I got into a, a conversation with you earlier where you were swinging a sword around, and you seemed pretty competent, <laughs> so let's bring you along. <laughs> Theoden's, like, sending everyone out. He's like, go to the Rittermark, go here, gather all the men. And then he says, he's got some great lines, so he's like, so it is before the walls of Minas Tirith, the doom of men will be decided. That's not a direct <laughs> quote. I was getting kind of sleepy during this three-hour movie, but uh, <laughs> Theoden has all the greatest lines. That's all. All I want when I die is I would like this actor who plays Theoden to come to my gravesite <laughs> and quote all of his Theoden lines <laughs> while they shoot my ashes out of a bottle rocket into space. Um, I'm going to go check. Maybe he's on that Cameo app. I can have him do that for you in, in real life. If he was on, if he was on Cameo, I would, I'm looking have, that up for your I would have him be like, hard to port. There's an iceberg. Ride. Rohirrim. <laughs> And then everyone get real confused because that's different movies. But he dies in both. Spoiler. Aomir gets his. He's like, and I guarantee this was a longer speech scene, but uh, Carl Urban does it so well. They like splice in this Mm -hmm. moment where he's like, now is the hour, riders of Rohan. Oaths you have taken. Now fulfill them all for lord and land. And his hair looks great. And his beard looks great. And man, I would let him skewer me with his spear any day of the week. If I was an orc and I was fighting. That was not meant to be anything other than a... Anyways, this is a podcast for children. Um... Faramir's men have to abandon Osgiliath. The Nazgul attack. Uh, is there a worse death than having a Nazgul pick you up in its teeth and fling you across? Like It doesn't seem great. I would argue, actually, I'd rather be bit by a Nazgul and potentially die more quickly than to be grabbed by its talons and then just flung across <laughs> the uh, Minas Tirith or this, uh, this city. Listen, is there a moment while you're flying through the sky where you're like, oh, this is actually kind of fun, and then, like, the impact kills you? I don't know. Are you, like, you know, like, skydiving, but your parachute doesn't open? I don't know. Who knows what human brains work? <laughs> Faramir's second-in-command gets murdered. 
Uh, and this is where the uh, the main dude declares that the age of men is over. What was his name, Tom? Mm-hmm. The Gothmog, yeah, the general, yeah. Gothmog. Um, Gothmog was the name of the Christian band I tried to start in middle <laughs> school, but did not take off because we were sidelined by Crucifixius, which is, anyways, a Friday Night Lights reference. Doesn't matter. Gandalf rides out to protect the retreat. It's super cool. Uh, he does a bright light and i kind of feel like hey just give everyone in gondor a flashlight and maybe we can defeat these dudes because they seem to hate bright <laughs> lights they're like mogwais from gremlins they don't like bright light tom this is gonna blow your mind i don't think i've ever seen gremlins oh man see gremlins too watch watch the key and peel skit of how they made gremlins too and then watch gremlins too okay i like key and peel i'm with you i do also think there should be a scene where it's like and the elves forged LED lights, and they gave seven LED lights to the leaders of men, and they were able to shoot LED lights into the eyes of the Nazgul. Anyways, um, all right, Tolkien, maybe he can change some of the story. Mm-hmm. Faramir and Gandor talk. I'm sorry, not Gandor. That's a mixture of Gandalf <laughs> and Gondor, which are a people and a person. So that's something. I'm completely sober. <laughs> Faramir and Gandalf talk. They talk about Frodo. Gandalf finds out that Frodo's alive. Uh, mm-hmm. Faramir's like, man, I got to walk all these steps to go talk to my dad, <laughs> who's not really happy with me right now. We cut to Frodo and Smeagol climbing. Sam is very suspicious of Golem, and Golem's like, hey, Frodo, I bet that fat hobbit's going to ask you for the ring soon. <laughs> and that's where we leave those guys. Listen, I love Frodo. I love Sam. I love Golem. But if I have a choice between, like, an epic battle and Nazgul throwing dudes and, like, last stands at Osgiliath, <laughs> I'm going to pick last stands at Osgiliath before fat hobbitesses and Lembus bread <laughs> accusations. <laughs> I'm with you, but I mean, you obviously you, you need, need these scenes yeah, because oh, you need yeah, to know what you're fighting for and what they're doing. But yeah, I agree. But like, talk about steep stairs, man. These stairs going up Ugh. to uh, the spider's lair is quite a uh, trek. And then they're like napping, they're sleeping right on the edge. Like, no, 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 you're not, you're not safe. I don't care how tired you are. Right, right. Yeah, it's like walking out of the Grand Canyon. I'm sure there's probably signs on that pathway in Mordor where it's like, do not attempt <laughs> to walk down to the bottom and back. People have died from exhaustion. The state park of Mordor asks you not to try this. We will not come after you. Also, helicopters cost a lot of money. The Witch King is like, hey, uh, Gothmog, go attack Minas Tirith. I don't care how many people uh, you you kill and sends them after him. And then I think like, Gothmog is like, what about Mithran- Mithrandir, I think. Because I guess everybody calls that's him Mithrandir of, yeah, as opposed to Gandalf. Yeah. And I do appreciate that the Witch King like responds like, I will break him. Which to me immediately made me think of Rocky Four. I must break you. Sure, sure. So it's pretty much the classic tale of the Russians fighting the Americans. Right. I have, Every time I watch, as someone who grew up during the Cold War, every time I watch this movie, <laughs> I see uh, the orcs as the Russians and us as Reagan's America. <laughs> Rising to glory. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I mean, Tolkien must have seen it, too. He's a big Reagan fan. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows yeah, that. Yeah. Since he wrote these books 30 years prior. <laughs> Predictor of the future, they say. 
Pippin takes the oath of Gondor. <laughs> My favorite part of this is like it's really long, and Pippin's like he's obviously stayed up all night trying to memorize it, and he's like struggling yeah. through the memorization. And Denethor's just like like staring at him in rapt attention, like oh, is he gonna get it right? He seems nice in this moment. Like he's a little bit more like almost too happy here. Well, to get I his, think this guy's oath. I think Pippin is like a. I don't know. He probably hasn't run into hobbits before. He sees this kind mm-hmm. of as like a like a child that is trying to act like an adult. I don't know. There's something distracting <laughs> about it. Mm-hmm. And then he seems super nice when he's talking to his son in the same scene <laughs> where he's like, uh, why was Othgiliath given up so quickly? Second son, least favorite. Um, if only Boromir had been here. And then you just get this heartbreaking moment where Faramir's like, and good on Faramir. Like, this is a tough question to ask of a parent, but he's like, listen. Sure you know the answer. Do you, yeah. He's like, oh, and I, here's some life advice for you. If you don't want the honest answer to a question, <laughs> don't ask it of a family member. This is something <laughs> I've had to tell my parents. Like, hey, don't ask me if you don't want an honest answer. Um, but... He's like, uh, he's like, father, I bet you wish that Boromir and I could change places. And, ooh. And just so cold-hearted, he's just like, yes, I do wish that. Ooh. Like, ooh, man. And then Faramir to his, I don't know. Faramir's great. Both, both these sons, for having such a crappy father, I mean, turned out well. I know Boromir had his mm-hmm. flaws, but Faramir's parting words are, you know, think better better of me upon my return and then his dad just i mean might as well knife him he's like well that will depend on the manner in which you return which is ooh, it's good i do appreciate that this is this is not a everyone gets a trophy moment though his dad's like hey if you come back and you kill you know against against odds you couldn't possibly win against if you take odds gilead i'll be super proud of you but if you come in second place not so happy. Doesn't go on the mantle in the refrigerator. Poor Faramir. Yeah, the initial line was, if you're not first, you're last. But <laughs> man, <cut. laughs> Doesn't even make any sense. You'd be second, you'd be third. Oh, man. That's such a great line. Golem, quickly, we cut there. He frames Sam, throws all the Lembus bread, which is much, I mean, essentially Golem is murdering them through starvation. He throws it all down mm-hmm. the stairs. Um, there is a point where, where Sam's like, what are you sneaking around for? What are you, are you sneaking? And Gollum's like, I'm not sneaking, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, but I'm sneaking. Or he just, the way he delivers the line, <laughs> yeah. sneaking. I was like, oh, that's great. Uh, Sam, uh, playing into Gollum's hand, he's like, I could carry mm-hmm. the ring for you, Master Frodo. Don't you remember your Sam? And uh, Frodo sees... And I don't know. Maybe I'm giving Sam too much credit. Maybe Sam does want the Ring of Power so he can be the most evil, powerful elf. Or I guess he's a hobbit, so that wouldn't make much sense. But he would take <laughs> he the transform power into an elf. And turn himself into an elf, but he'd still be a short mm-hmm. one, and they wouldn't give him those cool robes. Um, Frodo sends, sends him away. It's heartbreaking because Sam has been mm. his most loyal friend. And this is where I would bring up our friendship, Tom, and I will give you the floor to apologize for all the times that you have sent me away, uh, even though I've been your loyal Samwise. 
Go ahead. I haven't sent you away. If anything, I should apologize for the time said like I've asked you to hang out with me. That's true. You're forgiven. Um, (laughs) It's been pretty terrible, but whatever. Um, Faramir. Oh, God, this is so heartbreaking. I mean, and they just kind of double it up on you. It's like Sam's heart's crushed. He gets sent Mm -hmm. away. And, oh, we're going to play some beautiful music. And we're going to have Faramir lead this unit to go take back Osgiliath. And Gandalf is like, listen, don't throw your life away. Your father loves you. He'll remember it in the end. We get Denethir asking for the song from Mm. um, Pippin. And just like, oh, I don't know. It's a... it's it's a rough it's a rough couple of minutes. I love a beautiful like uh, the charge of the light brigade, but between him singing, all shall fade, the sky being blotted out by the archers and Faramir's charge, mm-hmm. and then to accentuate that with some sweet sweet mm-hmm. sweet tomato eating, um, farm to table, farm to table, uh, yeah. as God intended, as the good book intended. Ooh. It's heartbreaking. And the cinematography, I think, does it. Like, the way they... When Pippin starts singing, he starts singing this All Shall Fade, which apparently he was not supposed to originally sing this. I think one, like, the screenwriters heard him sing it like a karaoke when they're all together, a cast and crew um, in New Zealand. Really? And they're like, hey, you've got a, a good voice. Uh, and didn't even have, like, a song to this. They just had the lyrics. And um, I think the actor actually had to kind of come up with, like, the tune and everything, which is pretty dope because it is just fantastic. But the way all the audio is from him singing, like everything else as they're doing the charge, they're shooting the arrows, like all that is silent. And it's just, yeah, absolutely deafening the silence of uh, the end of that song. But getting back to the, the tomato eating, I mean, he's eating more than tomato, right? It's He's eating like raw meats and things like that. It's dribbling down his uh, his chin. Is that tomato juice down his chin or is it like the like blood of like a raw meat? Like, all of it's just terrible, and it just oh. makes me think, like, if you have misophonia, like, this seed is just not for you. What's like, chewing or... Phonia? What's misophonia? That's like when you have, like, a like a reaction, like a, I don't know, like, what kind of, like, like literally makes you upset, nervous, all that stuff to people that, like, chew on mic or oh. that, like, I don't know, like, do specific noises, like, repetitive, I guess. All right. Well, I'm not going to start eating this uh, plate of <laughs> lamb chops that I have. <laughs> Uh, medium rare next to me um, having just learned that name I do want to point out that the theme of this movie is that evil people uh, eat in a way that's a little bit messy because the opening of this movie is Golem eating a raw fish and they like zoom in on his Mm. on his mouth and he's like biting the fish and the juices are running down his chin and in this scene the tomato the red blood tomatoes running down his chin. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay, so evil people don't know how to eat <laughs> and don't use napkins. Thank God we cut from there to Theoden's camp. The horses and the men are nervous because they're in the shadow of the mountain and it's the road to Dim Holt. Arrogant, ar- arrogant, Aragorn. <laughs> arrogant Aragorn. <laughs> arrogant Aragorn, as they call him. That's I guarantee they call him that at some point, but then they put that guy to death because you can't. Speaking of the King of Gondor. <laughs> Not real thrilled to take the passage of the dead. Uh, Mary's dressed up as a soldier. He's like swinging his sword around. And you get this scene with Aramir where he's like, listen, don't. She, he tells Eowyn, you know, don't humor him. 
and she's like, why, what, you know, why can't he fight? And you can see she's making essentially the argument for herself. Like, does he not have mm-hmm. just as much to lose? Does he not have the right? And Aomir to his, you know, he's like, I don't doubt his heart. I just doubt the reach of his arm. And it's said as kind of like that, that, um, I think his name is like Heyman kind of laughs at it, but like Aomir's mm-hmm. got a point. He's like, Hey, you know, his courage is great, but from like a physical standpoint, um, I, I doubt that a little bit, but I did think that, 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 uh, that, uh, exchange was interesting. This is mm-hmm. where we get Elrond delivering Anduril, the Flame of the West. He gives it to Aragorn. They talk about the murderers and traitors in the mountain that when they were called by the King of Gondor did not fulfill their oaths, and so they were banished and cursed. And Elrond tells him, put aside the ranger and be who you were born to be and take the Dimholt <laughs> Road. And I think this is the point where he draws that sword. And I think there's some chicanery when he draws the sword, because that sword's so long. Like, that would be one that would be difficult to unsheathe without stabbing everyone in the tent. There's Once again, if this was a comedy, everyone stumbles out of that tent, like, bloodied, because they're like, he unsheathed it, and we all got hit in the eye. But that's not what happens. He pops a big hole in the top of the tent, and all the room just pops in. <laughs> It's just to see everyone outside the tent. You just see this the sword stick at the top. Oh, beautiful! Oh, I'm gonna write a letter to Peter Jackson. Turn this thing into a comedy. Make it longer. I'll tell him. Listen, you can have a fire five hour movie. Just put some jokes in it, um, dude. I'm pretty sure the extended cut is five hours. I think it's four and a half hours. I think I've watched all the extended cuts. That was my mistake. I watched this with my wife because she had never seen these in theaters or anything. And we watched these a couple of years back. And because I had never seen the extended ones, I'm like, okay, this would be a good time to watch the extended ones. Bad idea. Because now my wife is not even listening to this podcast. Yep. She's out. She's abandoned us. And she was the funny one in the group. Um, <laughs> Eowyn tells Aragorn not to leave. Aragorn's like, listen, baby. Uh, <laughs> what I said was just pillow talk. I'm in love with another and he's got a great line. It is but a shadow and a thought that you love. A little bit of life mm-hmm. advice. If you ever want to break up with someone, just say this. <laughs> and then walk away and let them for the rest of their life be like, it's a shadow and a thought that I love. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> like, give them something to think about for the next 20 years. So once again, the line is, it is but a shadow and a thought that you love. And then go off with a, your dwarf and elf friend into some weird uh, dead passage. And that's how you break up with someone. Yeah, you text them that, and then ghost them. <laughs> ghost them. <laughs> Which I would argue, that's kind of what Aragorn's doing right now. He's ghosting, He's ghosting them. By ghosting going to get some ghosts. ghosts. Legolas and Gimli are going with him. There's no two ways about it. Uh, they are just such loyal friends. Gotta be honest, I don't know that I'm taking the Dimholt Road. I think I'm staying with the Rohirrim. I just, not for me. Narrow canyons, dark <laughs> caves, uh, green ghosts. I don't love it. Um, Rohan starts discussing why Aragorn left. They're all like, he's leaving on the eve of battle. We're all going to die. Didn't that elf say something in Elvish about how we're all going to die last time? Um, <laughs> but Theoden's like, listen, we're going to meet him in battle, even if we can't win, which is a great confidence booster. 
They're like, oh, great. Theoden's <laughs> back to his old, uh, the old death charge. He tells Eowyn, hey, by the way, I had a will done up by the lawyers. You're going to take over the throne. Uh, she very dutifully is like, what other duty would you have me do? Uh, and he's like, listen, I would have you smile again, not grieve for those whose time has come. You will see these days renewed. No more despair. And she's like, nope, don't want your throne. I want to go stab someone in the face, which I'm going to do very soon. <laughs> Spoiler alert. We then cut to the men of the mountain who swore an oath to fight for Gondor. Aragorn gives this great, I do not fear death. And then he walks into the cave. I think and this I, is where we kind of get like an exposition dump with like Legolas and Gimli kind of saying like why they're going in here. And the mm-hmm. fact that they had some kind of oath that they didn't keep. Because it is kind of like fast and loose. And they're going through this plot point very, very quickly. Right. I relate this whole thing to there was a Lord of the Rings Xbox game. That just used a bunch of <laughs> clips from the movie, and like a big part of it was these green ghost like dudes. And so every time I watch this and I see the green ghosts, I'm just like, "Isn't that a cutscene from a video game?" And then I've got to remind <laughs> my brain that the movie came first. But um, I do remember that video game being fun. Mary and Theoden, they have the conversation where. A battle's no place for hobbits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary's like, all my friends have gotten to fight. Why shouldn't I fight? And this is when Eowyn picks him up and they ride together. <laughs> Aragorn meets the king of the cursed men of the mountain. Uh, they've got a great line. He's like, we don't... The king, I think, says something like, I don't suffer no fools. And Aragorn's like, you will <laughs> suffer me. And then they do have this one thing that's like written in stone. And then they, it's like their mantra every day when the ghosts wake up and do yoga, they're like, the way is shut. It was made for those who are dead. The way is shut. We are dead. Namaste. And Aragorn's like, namaste this. I summon you to fulfill your oath. The line that was broken has been remade. And they have that cool scene where the ghost tries to cut him with a ghost sword. And he blocks it with a blade that blocks ghost swords. Um, I was going to ask, would a normal sword, like if this was like Gimli or something, putting up the axe and just go right through the axe and just cut him down? Or yeah, is it because my, this yes, is the and fancy I sword? Think that's is it because it's Jonathan? Yeah, yeah, because it's the sword Jonathan. Um, <laughs> which is very Old Testament of you, by the way. Um, <laughs> because it's a super special uh, remade sword, he and he is the heir of Gondor. He blocks it, but yeah, Gimli had rolled in there, and I think we see this when they um, ex machina them at the fields of Pelennor uh, because they're mm-hmm. just cutting through orcs that don't block any ghost blades. But Eric- so you mentioned too about like the green ghosts being like all kind of kind of goofy and kind of video gamey, but I feel like when I they did do not the say goofy. Shots, I said they were in okay. a video game. I did not say goofy. <laughs> I did not say video gamey. I just said they were in a video game. I love how they're done. Go ahead, Tom. Ask a question. <laughs> I will say like the close up shots, I think they're dope. Like the way it kind of cuts in from you seeing kind of his whole face, it's like almost one of those little hologram things you put in your face and you kind of tilt it ever so slightly. It kind of changes. It has that effect. I think it's super cool. But when they do like the wide shots, the green ghosts are just kind of going through everybody or they're all kind of surrounding them. I think those aren't quite as, as clean as the close up of the, the King of the Dead. Sure. I think whoever did these guys went on the 
Haunted Mansion ride in Disneyland and was like, oh, that's how holograms work. Oh, I can do this in a movie and a video game. But I'm with you. Yeah, the, the like flowing ghosts murdering everyone is different for me than these close-up scenes where you get to see like mm-hmm. the decaying flesh of a cursed king, which I actually think looked pretty cool. Aragorn's ultimate thing is fight for us and you will regain your honor. And... I'm assuming that the ghosts from Pirates of the Caribbean that stole all that Aztec gold were also of the same crew because it's kind of the same, but I digress. Totally. We see the gathering of the Mordor army in Pelennor Fields outside of Minas Tirith. Faramir gets dragged to the gate by a very good horse uh, and brought to (laughs) Denethir. The army of Mordor fires some, (laughs) some heads into the city. Which that was brutal. In terms Forgot of psychological warfare, just great. Mm-hmm. I guess both psychological and chemical warfare, because there's probably going to be some diseases <laughs> that come with those rotting heads. And also, <laughs> if you picked it up and you were like Uncle Greg, you'd probably not have a whole lot of heart to fight. But it is what it is. No. Uh, Denethor's like the line of stewards have ended. They've killed Faramir. Uh, he's a real negative Nancy. He blames Rohan immediately. He's like, where's Theoden? Where's Rohan? <laughs> he then screams, abandon your post. Flee for your lives. <laughs> and who shows up to hit him in the face with a stick? Gandalf. Oh, so good. Should have done that a lot sooner. Oh, so sooner. If there, I mean, it should be legal in your life where someone is screaming nonsense that if you have a wizard staff, you can hit him in the forehead and be like, it's like mm-hmm. a reset button. Like, stop. Um, but that's not legal because that would be assault. Don't at me. The catapult and trebuchet duel happens. Uh, mm-hmm. And by that, I mean the Mordor's catapulting. Catapulting. Cat, catapulting. They're shooting cats. Well, they can't catapult. They have to catapult. The dogapult. And then the trebuchet <laughs> is Gondor firing. Uh, I, I thought that it was a little bit interesting that Gondor decided to fire pieces of their wall at them. And I'd be like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe don't reduce your wall and shoot it at them. You kind of need those walls. But uh, sometimes we're a little bit short-sighted as uh, corrupt and evil men, as Elrond describes us. The Nazgul attack, once again, I mean, the best death would be to pick up in those claws and then for a couple of seconds be like, I'm flying. <laughs> Look, Dad, I'm flying. And then... Uh, the horrible crunch. I'm a real boy. <laughs> oh man! We get some siege towers. Gandalf double guns it, and by that I mean he's using his staff uh, and his sword, which is I believe is called Glamdring. Pippin saves Gandalf because Gandalf's like, "Go away! You have no use in this battle." Nope. Pippin stabs some dude. I'm assuming in the groin, uh, and then we have the cool scene where. I do appreciate, like, there are certain, like, there are certain, like, flavor flourishes that they put on these movies. Like, I don't know if in the books they described this gate ram as a flaming mm-hmm. wolf head. Maybe they did. I, yeah. Once again, I, I maybe I should have looked it up. But it's just such a cool, like, look. It's like, uh, for one, I don't know how they did it. I don't know how the thing's not just burning. <laughs> I don't know how there's just flame in his mouth. But a swinging like on pivoting chain wolf head that slams into the gate, but also has fire in its mouth. It's just such a cool look. Like 
Yeah. I don't know. I think, too, like, what they do with a lot of, like, the armor, like, whereas all the elvish stuff is just gorgeous and everything is ornate for the sake of being ornate, everything for the orcs and those guys is usually just hammered out very yeah. purpose yeah purposeful for what it needs to do but this is kind of just to your point a cool flourish that looks super dope yeah it's like what a defense contractor they were like listen what's it going to cost us to get a gate ram that's about 30 feet long um <laughs> and can put down a gate that i don't know you know probably has we probably need to put like a thousand pounds of pressure on it per swing. Uh, oh, also, we want this ram to look like a wolf with flames in its mouth. And the contractor's like, uh, I mean, I don't know. We're going to have to probably hire out about 50 more engineers. Um, anyways, and then it has to go through the process of like being approved. And they've got to put mm-hmm. out bids to other companies because obviously because of Dick Cheney, you can't just uh, give your friends the contracts. Anyways, I digress. Um... <laughs> Frodo and Gollum enter a cave. We discover it's um man, I don't I think it's Shelob. It's S H E L O B, Shelob's lair. Um he uses a little bit of the file of Galadriel, which is the light of their star. Uh, mm-hmm. Frodo gets caught in a web. I've never liked this because I'm just not a spider guy. I'm not an insect guy. <laughs> I live in a house hey, where uh spiders and scorpions show up at random i just i don't <laughs> like it and i do appreciate that frodo and smeagol get into a fight and once again frodo could just crush this dude's skull but then smeagol plays the victim and frodo's like i'll show mercy for like the fifth time and lets him mm-hmm. go galadriel shows up in frodo's mind to encourage him I don't know if this is some sort of starvation hallucination or what I don't know, maybe happens. it's like part of the the vial or whatever that he gets so that she has the light. It's like part of her is speaking through it. I don't know. But, well, uh, no. In yeah, it kind of gives him this a, extra little burst. If you get a To get a Galadriel hallucination, you've got to crack the vial open and then snort a couple of lines <laughs> of uh, the vial in order to get that straight. Or this rub it like on your stardust. gums. Yeah, stardust. <laughs> Narsil. <laughs> All right. Um, Frodo gets caught in a web, and we cut. I do there. like these effects, like all the like webs and stuff that they oh, do, yeah. and how he gets like suspended in the webs. It's pretty cool. Um, I, I do appreciate that stuff. What's and I also, I mean, it made me think of the production value of all of this, like setting right. up all these caves, every take that he's running through and messing up all these webs. They got to go back and do it all again. Sure. Like, it is incredibly impressive. Well, what's interesting is like. The production of value of these movies is so good and like so so much of it looks great that when it looks bad, it's like it's true. It like takes <laughs> you out you of out. it. It's like there's so many times like they they seamlessly like do CGI and like big battle scenes and and then it's like the weird moments where the hobbit's getting dragged by a fish in the river and you're like <laughs> like Give the same attention to detail to that moment as you did to (laughs) the ghost running through orcs at Pelennor Field. Like, I don't know. Uh, Once again, I I love these movies. These are nitpicks that, like, the the movie doesn't deserve. Um, And for a movie that's almost 20 years old now, is 20 Mm -hmm. years old, it still looks great. (laughs) Um, But I I think there are the, the times it goes bad is so glaring because it looks good for so much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. We get the night attack on Minas Tirith. Gandalf leads the men to the gates. 
And I think that this is the point where he's like, listen, no matter what comes through these gates, you are men of Gondor. He gives him the sweet speech. And then it's like uh, all those giant uh, cave trolls or whatever come through. <laughs> Anyways, Pippin's yeah. watching Faramir's th- funeral procession, even though Faramir's not dead. Bring me wood and oil. That's not what you want your... If you're kind of comatose, you don't want your dad screaming about wood and oil because it's going to turn out bad. Frodo gets took by Shilob. Uh, Sam fights with Sting in the light of a star. Frodo's in a cocoon. Frodo's dead. And then we go to credits. Dick Clark, produced by Dick Clark, flashes across the screen. And it goes, dun, dun. And then we're done with these movies. Dick Wolf. Dick, Dick Wolf. Clark. What did I say? Dick Clark. No, Dick Clark, Dick Clark welcomes in the new year. <laughs> the ball drops. All <laughs> oh, these movies are so long. All right, we fade to black. The orcs come in. They find the body. Pippin tries to stop uh, Faramir from burning. Denethor. There's a lot going on as we cut back and forth. There's a lot of cuts. Denethor mm-hmm. drags Pippin away, and he's go- he's like, go now and die in what way seems best to you. It's kind of telling because that's what he's like doing. He feels this is the way that he needs to die with his son, even though his son is not dead. And he's been told that, but he's just so like laser focused on what he wants he's to given do. Up. He wants yeah, he's to... given up. And this yeah. is what, yeah. I mean, I mean, my dad said it to me when I graduated high school. I'm assuming it's what every dad says to their kid when they graduate <laughs> high school. But go now and die in what way <laughs> seems best to you. <laughs> And I was like, Dad, I'm going to go to college. He's like, nope. Um, Anyways, (laughs) Uh, Theoden arrives on the field of Pelennor. And good God, Tom. I love (laughs) Theoden. You get all these horns. Yes. I love Theoden so much. He's such a great character. It's like Tolkien poured all of the best speeches into him. And so he's in front of his dudes. And let's put aside like what the... Uh, acoustics are for someone shouting in front of I don't know eight thousand people on a field like who actually hear, heard him. Uh, mm-hmm. Braveheart has the same issue. But well, like there's a rule though when you're on a battlefield and your king is screaming at you, like every tenth guy has to whisper it to the other guy, sure, and then he screams sure. it to another guy. Sure. It's a long line. He's like, uh, I think he said a ride we're supposed to ride and then riders of dio did i don't know who dio did i love the telephone game that would happen um, on the battlefield spores spores will be uh spitted on i don't uh, filled with laughter what yeah yeah. anyways it's arise arise riders of theoden fell deeds awake fire and slaughter Spear shall be shaken, shield will be splintered. A sword day, a red day, ere the sun rises. Ride now, ride now to Gondor. In the movie, he says, ride to ruin in the world's end. And it's just so great. And then what does everyone shout? They all shout death. Death is their chant. (laughs) Death. What a dope way to go. Everyone shout death. Uh, even Mary shouting death. Eowyn shouting death. They're all like, let's go die. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. I don't think I, I caught this like in the initial watches when I saw it when I was like in the theaters, but watching now with like the captions and stuff on, like all screaming death, it is like so much more powerful. I recently even saw a little snippet from 
uh, Tolkien himself talking about like what is Lord of the Rings about and he mentions very specifically like it's about death and how like the stories of, of death and how it's inevitable for everybody he's got this very interesting you know just kind of philosophy around it and the way he speaks to it is just so eloquent and beautiful and to have it epitomied in, in Theoden and the way he rallies these troops to go and die for the honor and and for humankind it's just epic it's so lovely so lovely he does this cool sequence too like after giving this deal he kind of like runs next to or rides his horse next to that front line and he's kind of using his spear or his sword to tap the spears of all the uh kind of the front riders kind of more or less i guess blessing the spears with the king's sword which i think is dope um, but apparently that was not even scripted. That was something that that actor who played Theoden thought about that on the day, and they filmed it and they loved it. They kept yeah, it no, it's it's great. I mean, it's the same. It's like fist bumping before going into a fist fight. <laughs> it's just like human contact. Hey, dude, I've got your back. You've got mine. Like, I don't know. It's uh, I love. I love every, every. There was that one guy with like a relatively weak spear, and it, like it breaks when he goes by, and he's like, "Ah, crap! I just got a stick." <laughs> the spearhead just fell off. And he's like, "All right." He's like, "Well, I'll move to the back line," and they're like, "No, you're staying with us." And he's like, "Oh, great!" So some orcs just gonna get really bruised, um, <laughs> splintered, <or> splintered. <laughs> Orc the splintered. Uh, we cut to Denethor, who, just as much as a leader of Theoden, I would put these guys on the same pedestal in terms of warlords. Uh, what's Denethor doing? Covering himself in some sort of sweet, sweet, smooth oil, um, telling them to light the fire. And this is where Gandalf and Pippin uh, come in. Gandalf does this sweet, like, skid with a horse that no one's ever done before, where he then throws Pippin on top of the fire. Uh, and they they roll Faramir. Well, Pippin off. jumps off, right? Like this is Pippin yeah. doing this himself. Like yeah. he pops on to save Faramir, and like his sheer size and how much effort he had to give just to kind of push and shove him off was was super cool. And it's cool to see Pippin having this heroic moment. Sure. And this is quite possibly the most memorable of the. <laughs> Because, like, we find out Faramir's still alive, but Denethor, covered in oil, catches a little bit of flame, and then he takes off. First off, it's tough to run in a gown. It's tough to run in a gown covered in oil. It's tough to run in a gown covered in oil that's aflame. Um, and where does old Denethor go, Tom? He goes the entire length of seemingly eight football fields. <laughs> To the very poorly designed hole in this wall at the end of Minas Tirith. Super cool visual, but just a super silly moment. Right. The movie cheats a little bit because that is a long run. And they cut they <laughs> cut from him like running from the Faramir Death Pier to him jumping off that edge. But to your point, that's like a three minute sprint. Like and he's an old man who's only been living on farm-to-table ta tomatoes. Like, he's probably going to get a little bit tired. Have you ever been lit on fire? Lit on, if, when you get lit on fire, it literally lights a fire under your feet. Sure, It'll make fair. you run fast. Uh, there should have been a scene where halfway through, he's, like, bent over, hands on knees, like... <sighs> and then he restarts <laughs> taking, his sprint. Like, he's taking deep breaths while on fire. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know... 
I might be misremembering this, but I'm pretty sure I watched this in theaters and people laughed during that scene. But I think so, too. It is yeah. what it is. We should mention that Theoden and their charge is awesome. They're just, like, cutting dudes down. Oh, yeah. And they're mm-hmm. ruining the orcs. And you're like, yes, Rohan is crushing people. And then who shows up but the Easterlings and the Timothy Oliphants, as you like to call them. <laughs> and Theoden's like, reform the line, reform the line. And then they charge the Oliphants because that's all you can do. Aemir spears an Oliphant pilot. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Like kind of like just takes down the whole Oliphant, which then I think the Oliphant like falls over and uses tusks and hits another one. So it's like a two for one. But I love how like all these guys, like, cause like to your point, there's only really so much you can do to try to stop these beasts. And they have like, I think later sequences, you see these Oliphants like just riddled with arrows. It's right. Like Oliphant acupuncture, which is great. Sure. So I'm sure they were just loving it. Eastern pain relief as they call it. <laughs> Aemir double blades it. She pulls out two swords and just starts cutting legs, which is awesome. Gandalf and Pippin are sitting there waiting at the gate to open, and they have this great line where Pippin says something like, I didn't think this is how this would end. And Gandalf says, end? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass, and then you see it. And Pippin's like, what? What do you see? And Gandalf says, white shores and beyond, a far green country under a swift sunrise. Pippin's like, well, that isn't so bad. And Gandalf's like, no, no, it isn't. (laughs) And I looked this up, and apparently this description of a gray curtain rolling back and all turn is actually when... Frodo takes the journey to the Grey Havens at the end. And so this is like a description of the Mm, elves in the afterlife. But internet, don't get after me, but like deep internet, (laughs) deep Tolkien lore would be like, well, for men and hobbits, this is not necessarily their end. We don't really know how they end. This is like Gandalf and the elves. They get to enter this like sweet afterlife. So anyways, it's a lovely moment where Gandalf gives his eloquent he gives hope right description yeah, yeah that's what it is it's, it's hope of yeah. hey this isn't all there is there's something after this mm-hmm. which tom and i are going to take the next hour to talk about the afterlife and what it means <laughs> to us and so we've roped you guys that, in this is all a ploy <laughs> now that i've got you alone tom let me tell you a little bit about <laughs> what happens when you die the nazgul attack theoden the it's, look on his face too when that like Nazgul comes in and it's flying right at him and he like gives his look to camera he's like well I'm screwed yeah. this is not great he gets thrown around golly my man King Theoden <laughs> and then the Nazgul about to feast on his flesh and this honestly like if I could like condense all of these movies to like one scene and like if I could make my kids watch one scene like over and over, it's like this one mm-hmm. where the Nazgul is about to feast on the flesh of, of Theoden and Eowyn steps in the gap and she, no one else is there. Everyone else is cowering. Uh, and Eowyn in, uh, in not a great disguise steps in <laughs> there and then she cuts off this Nazgul's head. And the Witch King threatens to, she's, you know, stand aside. 
and there's two like there's two versions of this. There's the book version. There's the movie version. But essentially, in the movie version, it's uh, the witch king saying, "No man can kill me," and then the response from Aowen, I think, as she tears off her helmet, is, "I am no man," mm-hmm. and then like stabs him in the face. And it's just such a <laughs> great like, I don't know. It's such a great moment. It gets me absolutely every single time. Like I get like chills, like thinking about it or hearing that line where she delivers it. It's just, it's poetic. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. Right. And I, once again, I love it. She does like the actress that, that plays Aowen is great. Like the build up to this, like we talked about it in the two towers of her, mm-hmm. like, Hey, I fear a cage. I fear being like sidelined so that I can never do anything of, of valor or bravery. And then to have this moment where there is a Rohirrim of men that do not stand in the gap. And she's the one that's there to defend her kin mm-hmm. is so good. And, and then in the books, um, because I looked this up, just the, the like dialogue between Eowyn and the Witch King. And it's the Witch King threatens that he will bear thee away to the houses of lamentation beyond all darkness where flesh shall be devoured and thy shriveled mind will be left naked to the lidless eye. He boasts, no living man may hinder me. Whereupon Eowyn removes her helmet and declares, but no living man am I. You look upon a woman, Eowyn. I am Eowyn's daughter. You stand between me and my lord and kin. Be gone, if you not be deathless, for living or dark, undead, I will smite you if you touch him. And then she kills him and it's great it's awesome incredible anyways i would uh i would pump that scene into my veins into my kids veins (laughs) it's such a great moment just to just to be clear what you want to pump into your kids veins is an animal getting decapitated and a night king getting stabbed in the face it is an evil nazgul with (laughs) evil intentions and then it is a witch king who has come to decimate men their freedom, and hates America. So yes, I want to pump that into my kids' veins. So it's kind of like quails and the grubworm population. <laughs> oh man, you're really, you're really minimizing this. The, 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 the quail are decimated the, glub, glub, uh, the grubworm population, John. Um, anyways, I love this scene. It's great. Mm-hmm. I just, it's so powerful. To your point, like it is great to say Ao to watch Aowen like have this climactic moment, um, mm-hmm. and it's done so well. And then you also see like this sacrifice like does not come without penalty. Like her arm mm-hmm. shrivels, like she's clearly wounded. Oh, we also see Mary stab. Yeah, Mary comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mary comes in, stabs him in the leg, which is also in the books that gives her the ability to stab him in the face. I would watch this so much more than watching Legolas, I don't know, skateboard up and down an Oliphant <laughs> as he shoots him with arrows. I just, I don't care. Yeah. But anyways, Legolas. Totally counts as one. Uh, <laughs> Theoden dies uh, in front of Eowyn. Eowyn, my body is broken. You have to let me go. I go to my father's in whose mighty company I shall not feel ashamed. And his last word before he dies is Eowyn. And it's mm-hmm. sad because I love Theoden. <laughs> yeah. 
it's a beautiful end for that character and again yeah. poetic about him fighting and, and dying in battle but having eowyn there with him while he passes is just again incredibly powerful and i think some of the best sequences and scenes um in the entire movie right this is why this is my favorite movie out of the three um <laughs> what's also sad is pippin then finds mary on the battlefield well, before you get to this, I think you, you skipped over it a little bit, but we had like all of the army of the dead kind of coming in mm. and they kind of come from the, the shores or whatever. I guess their the initial plan was more orcs were going to arrive there, but the ghost army kind of comes and they kind of wreck shop to more or less close out the battle, right? Right. You get Aragorn jumping over the side of the ship looking as cool as anyone <laughs> has ever looked. Yeah. Um, and then that green ghost goo just sweeping up and down to ex machina everyone off the battlefield (laughs) but i love the sequence too yeah when when pippin finds mary on the battlefield and you know they're he's there to help him and they have this this beautiful conversation back and forth there's apparently like in this background and you may not notice it while you watched it but it's huge it's they have an oliphant carcass kind of uh in the background while they're filming this or he's actually kind of like in between the legs of it um but apparently peter jackson like insisted that he wanted this to be a prop on set and not just to be like a cgi element so at the time when this movie was released that like all the font was like the biggest prop that has ever been made for a movie because he wanted them to feel the scale because it's also had to be not only bigger than or, or gigantic because it's a gigantic mythical elephant, right. but it had to be even bigger because it was they were filming the halflings. So the perspective-wise, oh. it needed to be even bigger than the CGI elements they did. So really, really cool. And I didn't look to see if it's... I'm sure there's maybe been another bigger movie prop, but at the time, it was its biggest. Okay, okay. So they killed a real elephant and put it in the background of this movie. <laughs> if you don't like that, you can email Tom. Um, we cut then to Inside Mordor... The orcs are fighting over dead Frodo's stuff. The orcs and other orcs fight. I do think this is an interesting, and it's Tolkien once again, but it's like the culture of orcs and like the cutthroat way in which we <laughs> like live our lives and will stab and thieve and like that kind of morality versus mm-hmm. what like the other, uh, the good side's morality looks like, I think is always awesome. Um, and interesting, but not that I'm a good person and wouldn't stab someone over some mithril <laughs> chainmail, but that's just me. I mean, I wouldn't stab them if they were wearing the mithril chainmail. I would get the mithril <laughs> chainmail off them after I stabbed them Fair. in a different place of course. that didn't have mithril. Everyone does. Um, and this is where Sam rolls up and rescues Frodo, and this is Sam the warrior just dropping bodies. I like this. At first, it's, you get a silhouette, and you think like he's just gonna scare these like three orcs off or whatever. But like he kind of comes around, and he's just a little halfling. So then they right. kind of attack him, and he just takes all three of them on. He's like, "That's for Frodo. That's for the Shire. And this is for my old gaffer." Which is good to see a Ted Lasso shout out. I sure. appreciated that. The gaffer. <laughs> the gaffer. What is that referencing? What is the gaffer to Samwise here? So the gaffer is his dad. And I think a okay. gaffer in the Shire is like a gardener. That's what I always assumed. Oh, uh, like okay, the, okay. Not a that? soccer coach. Right, not a soccer coach. He kills all the orcs. Uh, Sam has the ring, which he gives to Frodo, uh, not without some complicated feelings, because uh, Frodo's <laughs> like, where is it? And Sam's like, I have it here. And once again, another actor doing a great job of 
hey, should I give this ring up or should I become the most powerful Samwise Gamgee in the world? <laughs> um, but he passes the test. He gives it to Frodo because he's Samwise, Samwise Gamgee. And then we get disguise time. They dress up as orcs. Um, and this enters Adorable us into the third act. And I don't know mm-hmm. if this is officially the third act, but dude... My only critique of this movie, I've had no critique so far, is just this is where we enter a bit of the long slog. And if you've been drinking and it's late at night, this is kind of where you start to to tune out. But they still have this like great scene where, or not great scene, but great sequence where they attack the Black Gate. So... Aragorn decides he wants to attack the Black Gates in order to distract Sauron. And like it gives, like Legolas gives that line, he's like, a diversion. Well, it's like, yeah, no S, Sherlock. We all, <laughs> we all know that it's a diversion. They're like, listen, we gotta play, we gotta pay Orlando Bloom, so let's give him a line. Um, which is great, because Gimli comes back with certainty of death, small chance of success. What are we waiting for? And he gives it so great. Um, we then cut to, like, the eye of Sauron, like finding Frodo, and he does this mm-hmm. great like pratfall. It's like this weird, like I can see it in my brain even right now. Just I was like, no one's ever fallen like that ever in their life. Um, we cut to Aragorn shouting at the gate, and the gates of Mordor open. I'm pretty sure once again, I've watched the extended version. I'm pretty sure there's an extended version of this where like. The Mordor sends out their champions and they like have like a little group meeting and they like kill oh, there the is. Yeah, Mordor yeah. like champions, mm-hmm. like messengers or Emissary whatever. Or wherever. Yeah. yeah. I think apparently in this sequence too, from what I read that initially they, and I think they actually filmed it was Aragorn was going to fight Sauron. Like they were going to have him be in physical form and have, that's who Aragorn was going to fight. Really? Aragorn, excuse me. But apparently they use the same fight sequence that Aragorn does here in a little bit with just that massive cave troll okay. and they just change the CGI. So what Aragorn was fighting is actually a CGI, was supposed to be a CGI version of Sauron. But okay. they just changed it to the cave troll at the end. Which yeah. again, I, mean, I think made sense. Yeah. that's I think how the book did not necessarily create a version of, yeah. of a living Sauron. Because then what's the point of but throwing I, the ring into Mount Doom if, if Aragorn has mm-hmm. to fight him in physical form? Yeah. But super cool visuals, too. Like when the gates finally start opening and then you see the eye kind of in the background. You mm-hmm. can see uh, Mount Doom there, too. And apparently it was like filmed in the deserts there in New Zealand. And because they needed so many extras for this sequence, they actually used the New Zealand army. Like where they, this is like where they trained. So they actually used them as extras for a lot of these sequences. Sure, sure. It's pretty cool. It's like when Katy Perry used all those AM trackers to do that music video. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Um, they march out, they surround Gondor and Rohan, and then we get Aragorn's great speech. And listen, I love Aragorn. I love him to death. If I had one critique of Aragorn, it's that his voice can be a little bit on the whiny side, just a little bit. Ooh, you're calling him out. I don't know if that makes sense. It's just a little, there's some, he's no Theoden. Let me just say that. Okay, that's fair. There's not a whole lot of people that are. No. No one can crush the Titanic and an (laughs) army of orcs in Pelennor Field quite like that guy. 
But this is where Oregon, uh, Air, uh, well, Oregon. Um, I'm sober. This is where Aragorn gives a speech. He says, I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day, an hour of wolves and shattered shields, when the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we fight. By all that you hold dear, all this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West. And it's great. It's a great moment. It's fantastic. I agreed. Frodo and Sam are climbing up the mountain. I, I love the this sequence is super cool where he's like, you know, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. Which again, maybe just want to chant Rudy while he's in the theater. Finally, we have the moment where Legolas and Gimli admit that they're friends, which is great. <laughs> Sauron talks to Aragorn, calls him LSR. What is that a reference to? Is that, I mean, that's his like elvish stuff, name. But... That's his elvish name. Oh, uh, okay. And then he screams for Frodo and they charge. Gollum shows up out of nowhere and attacks. Gandalf calls for the eagles. There's a lot going on during the sequence. Uh, Frodo mm-hmm. and Sam enter Mount Doom. Frodo, much like a Sildur, doesn't really want to let this sweet ring of power go because so far it's done him <laughs> only good things, like giving him those bags <laughs> under his eyes and like burned uh, scars into the neck area because of the chain being so heavy. Um, Golem attacks invisible Frodo, bites off the ring, I guess bites off a finger and takes the ring. And then Golem goes over and... Frodo kind of seems like he wants to jump in there too. Yeah, apparently when they first filmed this sequence, or and I don't, maybe you recall how it happened in the books, but I guess the initial one was uh, Peter Jackson wanted to film it where Frodo was like, like actually pushed Gollum off the cliff or whatever. But I don't think that's how it happened in the books. And he wanted to be true to it and had it made it seem like kind of more of an accident, how they kind of just slipped off the edge and then Frodo kind of grabs onto the ledge. But yeah, he kind of, as Sam's reaching down to try to grab his arm and help him, Frodo's kind of like, man, like at this point, I, I just need to let go because he's just lost all hope now that he doesn't have the ring and he just, you know, he doesn't have any life back into him. And I think it's kind of an interesting kind of call back to Frodo saving Sam from drowning by kind of grabbing his arm. This is kind of the reverse where you've got sure. Sam grabbing Frodo as he's falling to his doom. Sure. Yeah, I don't think in the books Frodo pushes Gollum. I think it's a mm-hmm. Gollum is so infatuated with the ring that he that he falls on his own. I I could be wrong on that. But the ring is destroyed. It floats on the lava for a little while. And you're like, (laughs) so dramatic. And then it goes in. And the tower collapses. The army cheers. And everyone then starts to cry because Mountain Tomb explodes. (laughs) Yeah, there's like, Frodo, he did it, he did it. Oh, no, this is not good. But as they're on their little island, as the lava flows by, the eagles save them. As eagles are wont to do. Tom, I'll give you the next 30 minutes to go through your favorite eagles songs. I'm sorry, the <laughs> eagles songs. I feel like I like the eagles, but I couldn't give you a song. Yeah. Uh, other than what they make you play on Guitar Hero, I don't know either. Um, <laughs> from here, we go to a Rivendale reunion. There's a lot of soft filter and weird slow motion <laughs> jumping. Um, and giggling and giggling lots of giggling i can't stand any of it it's such a weird uh anyways 
Maybe we're not in Rivendell. This starts like Maybe the we're endings. Back in Minas Tirith. Yeah, this is. These are all the endings. Aragorn gets yeah. crowned. Aragorn sings. Which some life advice for everyone out there: if you're ever in a ceremony out of nowhere, just start singing. Don't tell people what you're doing. Um, be Billy from Outer Range. Just start singing. <laughs> exactly. Everyone will love it. Um, Aragorn sings. Arwen shows up, but she doesn't Very show dramatically. up like a normal I don't know person. why she's hiding. Yeah, she's hiding behind a banner. I mean, very. I, I, it's just extra drama that we didn't need here. This is called Elvish tradition, Tom. Everyone knows <laughs> okay. that when an Elvish lady is showing up to her lord's crowning, she shows up behind a weird paper banner uh, that she then lights on fire and lets fly into the sky, like in the movie Tangled, <laughs> which we're going to do next. <laughs> Everyone bows to Frodo because he goes to bow to Aragorn and talk me through this sequence, Tom. Oh, man. This is another one of those scenes that, like, gets me every time. Like, I'm still invested in the ending of this movie at this point. And when he, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Aragorn gives him the line. He's like, like, you bow to no one. And then he bows and everybody else does. Like, again, the CGI is a little bit wonky. doesn't hold up quite as well. But just a super powerful moment. And it just kind of gives me, like, chills like sure. watching it it's awesome no it's great because ultimately this hobbit's the one that saved everyone and uh the reason they're all still breathing mm-hmm. and Man, movie should have ended should have moved yeah you're right should have ended right there i did think like hey if i was in a crowd and like i couldn't hear what was going on but everyone started bowing would i bow or would i be like hey guys what are we doing like why are we bowing? Your Who king is there, to? man. If somebody, yeah, if somebody else is bowing, it's because yeah, what it's if like guy... the same thing with Theoden screaming in the line. Somebody hears it. Somebody else does it ten feet away. So it's just like a wave of bows. What if one dude went down to like tie his shoe, and then the next guy was like, <laughs> "Oh, he's bowing," and then all of a sudden you have this like this effect, this waterfall effect, this wave effect of everyone bowing, and then it was just like, no, that one dude was tying his shoes, like. I don't want to be the idiot that's like, oh, I bowed too. I want to be the idiot that's like, hey, why are we bowing? Anyways, we're back at the Shire. Uh, I'm going to move real quick. Sam marries Rose. It's great. She's a barkeep. He likes booze. Um, Frodo finishes the book. He talks about how his wound still hurts after four years. I'd be like, see a doctor, maybe get some pain meds. Frodo gets hooked on pain meds, goes down a dark road. Goes into rehab, comes out later, goes back into rehab. Um, Frodo, uh, they all go on some sort of journey with the elves to the last ship. Uh, Oh, because Bilbo's going out. They're like, hey. And Bilbo's like, listen, I'm 100 years old. I look like death. But hey, do you ever know what happened to that ring of mine? And Frodo's like, no. Do you have any pills? And... um, The elves are all leaving because it's the time of men. Um, And I hope the elves treat Bilbo okay because he looks like Albert Einstein, but he's three feet tall. And Gandalf's like, hey, peace. I'm going to go too. Uh, F you guys. Good luck. And it's the end of the fellowship. Oh, by the way, don't weep. Or I would say don't weep, but not all tears are evil. That's a line from Gandalf. And then, should Frodo have given these guys a heads up that he was bouncing, Tom? Should he Should he have given Probably them a Probably a little up? bit, yeah. He kind of gives them the quick little hugs and goodbyes and stuff, but uh, yeah, it was pretty abrupt. Listen, and I had to ask you questions about this. I don't know how much I care about it, but like, where are they going? 
What are they doing? They're I don't going... understand this whole so idea. So the elves who are immortal are leaving Middle Earth to go to the Grey Havens, I believe. And so it's like they're they're heaven essentially. They're like departing the mortal earth to go on boats to somewhere where it's all peaceful and they're going to live forever. So that's what they're giving to extending to Bilbo and Frodo as ring bearers. Mm. They are extending okay. to them a eternal life where there will be no sadness and everyone will be great and they'll all be decked out in cool garb but <laughs> they're going to be the only two hobbits there so everyone's going to kind of look at them kind of funny and so you're like <laughs> well eternity with people that don't look like me and probably it's a different culture is not heaven i don't know maybe i should just take a mortal death and take all these pills <laughs> anyways i don't know um <laughs> So many endings, Tom. I gotta be honest. I got to, I got to put about hour three, and then I punched out, and then I had to come back and finish the movie. <laughs> yeah, this was a movie that I admittedly watched in in sequences, like the big battle sequences, the setups, and this ending bit. Like I just, I knew it was coming. It's it's almost become like a gag um, when you talk about like movies that just keep going and going and ending and ending. It's like, oh yeah, it's it's like the Return of the King, Lord of the Rings. It's become a running joke, right? And I think it's interesting. They also, for as much as Jackson tried to like extend these, there are parts in the books where like when they come back to the Shire, Wormtongue is there and is like taken over the Shire. So there's like a battle for the Shire. They they cut that mm. out completely. There's like parts where Pippin and Merry are supposed to be like giant hobbits because they spent time with the Ents and like drank their water and food, and so they became like. <laughs> They like growed ex- they grew exponentially. Um, <laughs> so there's like stuff they cut out of it, but I see why they did because this movie is three hours and forty minutes long, <laughs> and that's not yeah. even the director's cut. Anyways, real quick, Tom, let's go through this. Best scenes, mm-hmm. favorite scene. Did you have a favorite scene in this movie? Um, I feel like to your like your point, like everything that happens in that that battle on that um the fields, yeah, yeah the fields, like field. everything in that sequence is I think is fantastic, and I think of that it's got to be the the Rohirian charge, um and how like that speech to your point, Theon and getting them all and them kind of showing up and just plowing through all those yep. guys, um it's probably one of my favorite moments. Yep. Okay, my favorite scene is Eowyn killing the Witch King. I love it. It's so good. Gotta be. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I oh, I will also mention that Eowyn and uh, Faramir make eyes at each other, and spoiler alert, they get married and have babies. So uh, <laughs> happy ending for Eowyn and Faramir, who lives. Best quote of the movie. Did you have a best quote, Tom, or a favorite quote? I feel like mine would probably be the another Gimli kind of one-liner when Legolas, you know, very theatrically takes down the elephant and all the uh, guys on said elephant and then slides down the trunk like, you know, the sweet, sweet skateboarder that he is. <laughs> and then Gimli, Gimli tells him that it still only counts as one, <laughs> which is fantastic. One. <laughs> uh, mine's Theoden's speech before the charge. Arise, arise, riders of Theoden. Fell deeds awake, fire and slaughter. It leads with everyone chanting death. I mean, if a quote ends with everyone chant- chanting death <laughs> in an enthusiastic manner, it's always going to be my favorite quote. Um, <laughs> if I had to pick my fighter for this movie, it'd be Theoden. I love Theoden. Actually, maybe I'd go with uh, Eowyn because she stabs the Witch King in the face, whereas no one else could defeat him. 
Um, but her <laughs> being no mortal man stabbed him in the face. I loved Eowyn. She was great. I would say, I mean, if I had to pick a fighter, it's got to be the Tony Hawk of his day, Legolas. <laughs> I mean, he's just incredible. Uh, so great. <laughs> Stuff we would change. If we could change anything, I hit on some of these things earlier. <laughs> the slow, flaming bowling ball scene with, um, is it Pippin? I'm going to get Pippin, Pippin yeah. and Mary confused. But that scene is weird. And then the weird fish drag in the beginning. I just go back yeah, and it's fix like there were- those. Yeah, the fish stuff, like, they're just trying to do that force, not force perspective, but, like, showing how much bigger this normal-sized fish seemingly mm-hmm. is to a hobbit. I think that's the idea, but I agree. It just it does not hold up and looks goofy. But for me, it's it's just got to be the endings. Like, I get that there's a lot of source material stuff, and there's a lot of stuff in the book, and you want to tie all these characters and give them a happy little bow, but it just it wasn't needed. It should have ended when they were all bowing to, to Frodo and the hobbits. Yeah, I agree. And then the themes, just the important themes of, and I guess, I mean, I don't know. These books are so great. The movies are so great. I think we talked about, like, the importance of, even though these are fantasy stories, the importance of these types of stories and what they bring to light in terms of courage and selflessness and perseverance Mm -hmm. are just great themes for people to hear, for kids to hear. Um, I made it a uh, tongue-in-cheek comment about the theme in this movie is that evil people eat in gross ways. Um, That's probably not the main theme, but, uh, like, you just see so much, like, courage in this from Eowyn to, you know, Frodo and Sam going all the way to the end. These movies are excellent in their representation of courage and valor and selflessness that i think they're Mm -hmm. important and they're just a lot of fun to watch and i have shown these to my nine-year-old and seven-year-old they enjoyed them (laughs) you know they weren't too scary obviously they you know they don't get maybe the deeper meaning but once again it's like show them what courage and valor looks like and so hopefully as they get older, they'll read the books and rewatch these. But I had a lot of fun watching all these movies. And uh, even though this one may have not been my, my favorite, simply because mm-hmm. of the length, I guess, um, <laughs> it's still, I mean, it's still a great movie that is heads and tails above a lot of other movies. So I'm glad yeah, we got and to I think this, this is, down. yeah, for sure. And I, like we said in the beginning, this is why I put this trilogy up as, you know, some of the, the best movies that I think have ever been created as a sequence of movies. Like there's a good movie in a handful of three every once in a while, but for all three to be this impactful and this powerful and so well adapted by Peter Jackson and everybody involved is, is tremendous. And that's why I'm super excited to be able to get back into middle earth and see what they do with the rings of power, because there's such brilliant source material already with Lord of the Rings. I know the Cimmerillians, it's kind of its own beast, but I'm very interested to see kind of how, how they adapt and how they do more of this because it's going to be fun to rejoin this world after 20 some years. Yeah, I agree. Well, we appreciate all of you for joining us. We want to give some shout outs to just people that have uh, listened to us and supported us. Um, John out there in Louisiana, John of Texas (laughs) out there in Louisiana. Uh, We appreciate your support and sticking with us. And uh, we appreciate those of you that uh, write us and, and write questions and engage. 
it's always fun to hear from people because Tom and I obviously just do this as two friends that like to talk to each other and <laughs> um, have decided to record it. I don't know that uh, there's more to it than that, but we appreciate all of you that have engaged and enjoyed this. Um, if you want to reach out to us, uh, you can email us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. Tom, what are our other handles? Uh, yeah, we've got uh, Team Binge Podcast through Twitter and Team Binge, uh, or sorry, Team Binge on Twitter and then Team Binge Podcast on Instagram. And Senator will post and try to engage. So uh, please reach out to us, follow us, like us, um, rate us on your different podcast apps. Just once again, uh, we are here because Amazon is releasing the Ring of Rings of Power, which is September what, Tom? September 1st, so they just announced, yeah. But you'll probably know this by the time you listen to this. But yeah, so September 1st and September 2nd is when they're going to release the first two episodes. So we'll do our best to try to record those and get them out to you guys as soon as we can. Um, But our plan is to watch these weekly, get them out for you so we can really enjoy the show together. But uh, yeah, thanks again, Julian. I appreciate the ride and uh, excited for the new series. Me too. I've been Julian. And I've been Tom. Adios, everybody.